Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. As sports keeps coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball's back, and BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. And don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com and Bleacher Report, Preston Ellis. Today, the New Orleans Pelicans said in a statement that Alvin Gentry will no longer be coaching the New Orleans Pelicans, this despite having one year and five and a half million remaining on his contract. Good for him. Uh, to discuss this move and more, we have editor-in-chief to thebirdrights.com, the man who always brings out the best in Mr. David Griffin, Mr. Ali Cosell. What's up, bro? Hey, Preston. We lost the head coach today. Did you hear? I know I'm kind of sad. It's it's the end of an era or an error, as somebody commented on your article. Uh, and obviously the Pelicans didn't fare well. But I, I just like think back to all the things he had to deal with, not just in 2017-18, um, but also last year with Anthony Davis and Clutch. And even though the team stunk, he always handled everything with such grace. And I just really appreciated that about him, even if he didn't necessarily uh, make us a winning franchise. No, I mean, that's exactly right. People need to remember also there's like an actual human being, a person at the head coaching position. People just always like to, and and it's just true across, I think, all professional sports. You take out your rage appropriately, whether it's a player who blows a game or if you're a consistently losing franchise, usually it's the coach or a general manager or something. But look, I got to know Alvin pretty darn well. A lot of us did here in the local media, and we loved him. We adored him. He would spend so much extra time with us talking to us, telling us all sorts of stories that he didn't have to, right? But he gave us such a good inside look about the NBA, about all sorts of stuff, really. So we kind of all just did. We fell in love with him because he was so courteous. And I've learned that's not commonplace. So I'm very curious to see whoever's brought in, just how much different that relationship will change. Yeah, sorry. We've got another guest to get to, but uh, just quickly, I have now covered um, at length Frank Vogel, who is very, very kind. And no matter how dumb of a question you ask, he always gives you a thoughtful answer. But yeah, there wasn't that extra effort to him. And Steve Clifford usually is quite lovely, but when Steve's in a bad mood, you'll be lucky if the media asks two questions to that room because everybody just wants to uh, stay away from his his wrath. He can get really, really nasty really, really fast. And obviously, we we've you know, talk to a lot of different coaches, but those are just the ones that stick out. And I think of those, Alvin Gentry always seems to be the most amicable, friendly, whatever you'd have it. But anyway, we do have another guest. 
the most impatient man you'll find on Twitter and in this chat if we don't get to him soon. Uh, he's prepping for the Masters with his new set of top flight golf clubs. Mr. Christopher Connor, what's up, man? Well, I first, well, I'm going to say hello. I'm going to show matters and everything like that. <laughs> but I first, I first want to say that everyone needs to know that you guys think Preston is like this guy that's full of smiles and he does commercials and, and, <laughs> and, and you see him all the time having, it seems like he's having the best time of his life. He's a Frank Jackson lover. He sent me a message in capital letters demanding <laughs> I join this podcast today and put circle yes or no in a message in which I couldn't even circle. I didn't have a choice but to join. Okay. So I want everyone to know that I have a girlfriend that is awaiting me on a period, very upset with me right now, but I'm here for Preston because I didn't have a choice. Him yelling at me or her yelling at me. I picked you tonight. <laughs> I, I don't know what look at that you don't know what to say you can't I don't, I don't know what he's talking about this is all hearsay it can't be substantiated by evidence someone may have hacked my phone and sent that message i i refute all of these claims let's talk about head coaching candidates you guys uh we'll start with christopher uh because we've talked so much already and because uh after this he might not make it too much longer if his girlfriend has her way Chris, uh, David said the oh, – sorry, I should say David Griffin – said the search will not be a rush due to COVID concerns, the inability to meet face-to-face, uncertainties surrounding the start of the 2021 season, cap, all that good stuff. Um, but we have at least one other coaching position available in the NBA, and waiting to hire a coach could give the Chicago Bulls a bit of leverage because they're ready to hire right now. Would you say that Griffin's patience may indicate he's – targeting someone who is still coaching right now i could see that or i mean more than more than anything i mean he's he's going to pick someone not only that's coaching right now but someone that he's familiar with um in a situation like this to where you're not going to be able to have the you know the normal the normal interviews the same type of type of contact and and meetings that you would have uh pre-covid 19 um it's gonna force everyone to be a little bit more creative but i mean if you listen to david griffin he he often gives you gives you nuggets when he wants to be informative that kind of will plant that will plant seeds for things that we can see in the future and i'm sure that some of those things that some of those quotes that that ali got today will speak about as the show goes along but yeah i mean i, I think that that's a very good point for us and i could i could see it being a case and uh, you know one of those candidates being Ty Lue, uh, not only someone that he has a past relationship with, but someone who's currently coaching. Yeah, I want to throw this over to Ali, because obviously there are some candidates who aren't currently coaching. Uh, David Vanderpool is one that we're going to talk about uh, at length because he's a, a serious candidate for the Pelicans position. However, he's available right now, and uh, I think he's on the short list of guys the Chicago Bulls are considering. So do you think the fact that Gentry, or sorry, that David Griffin, I have to stop doing that, that Griffin is willing to be patient uh, may indicate that that at least a few of his primary targets are still in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, I think that's rather obvious because Ty Lu is one of the hottest names, and he's currently, you know, under Doc Rivers' uh, Los Angeles Clippers staff. And, you know, he's highly valued. And, of course, everybody's got to remember that he was with David Griffin to where they won that championship with LeBron. And I think a lot of people don't realize that he's really highly regarded across the league, you know. Forget the record, which resulted in that championship, plus two additional trips to the finals. But he's known as being a guy who can communicate 
with any type of player on, on the roster. Not a lot of coaches, I think, can do that to where they can, you know, feel comfortable saying whatever needs to be said to say a superstar. And so the Pelicans have a potential superstar in Zion, may have one, you know, who knows how it works out B.I., but you can see why there's that value, right? That's why Doc Rivers has always uh, kind of always wanted him on his staff because he had him both, I think, in Boston and in L.A. when he first got out there. So that says a lot because Doc Rivers is one of the, you know, best coaches out there considered by many across the league. So, yeah, I think that's part of it, Preston. But I think more to it, I think he really gave us a true answer today when he responded. There's so many things that we still don't know, so why rush into it, right? He seemed to be pretty confident that the next season is not going to start around December 1st. So there's a lot more time than we may be thinking, right? Because everybody was all about, oh, my goodness, we're going to be jumping from the end of this season to – the draft, to free agency, to the, basically training camp. And I don't think that's necessarily true. And it is important uh, on what Griffin said, too, that they don't have any info yet on next season, like the salary cap numbers. Um, and, of course, who's going to be available in terms of free agents and, and at what price. So he talked about just so many challenges. First, you kind of got to jump through. But you're going to need all this information before you can really identify, as he said, the right human being to lead this group. Yeah, I, I like think that. my my sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, no, I just was gonna say I mean I agree with everything that, that that Ali said. I mean, and one of the biggest benefits here that the Pelicans do have that they haven't had in previous in previous years when coaching opportunity or when a coaching vacancy has been up, is that they have the most attractive or one of the most attractive landing spots for a coach to No, it's the most attractive. Be, what, what, there you go. <laughs> Griffin I mean, Griffin confirmed that today, man. It definitely is. <laughs> so you, you, you know what I mean? It's not like, you know, you have to go out there and, and, and hurry up and kind of sell yourself to, you know, to a coach. Coaches are going to be knocking on your door. So there's no need to rush. I mean, at, at this point, there's enough of the right, there's enough mixture of the right guys and uh, candidates that are out there for a good decision to be made. At this point, you just can't fuck it up. Yeah, remember, we're <laughs> still in a pandemic, too. Right. So as, as Griff said, it's going to take a lot more than just some Zoom meetings. Right. He wants to see all these guys one on one, see how they operate with players, you know, really pick their minds. So that's all going to take time, especially, like I said, in today's world. Yeah. The only reason I bring that up is because uh, I mentioned Vanderpool, who is an assistant with the Minnesota Timberwolves, but also Kenny Atkinson. If uh, David Fisher joins us, he's somebody who uh, is super high on Atkinson. And and I spoke to an assistant coach today who said that he thinks that the, the Bulls and the Pelicans should really get into a bidding war for his services. But he also mentioned Chris Finch would be a wonderful replacement. So there's, there's a, a surplus of great candidates available right now. But if the Pelicans were really serious about Atkinson or uh, Vanderpool or guys like that. I, I would think they would move a little bit quicker. So I think we can be patient and being patient is going to be a lot more fun for us, Chris. Well, because- Preston, just real quick, you, you can't expect for uh, Griffin to like say name somebody right away. Let's just clear that up for fans because you know how bad that looks. That means you honestly determined that you're going to move on from Alvin. He basically not risk his life, but, you know, put himself in danger in the bubble at age 65. And so he was really coaching as a lame duck. So just for image purposes, even if they feel like they kind of know where they're going to be headed, you still don't announce it or anytime soon, just for images, image purposes. Totally. I'm just saying that uh, if the Pelicans were really serious about guys who are available right now, I think they'd move a little bit faster than they're moving. And- but we'll find out, right? We don't know yet. Yeah, you're right. 
Totally. Uh, Chris, let's go ahead. We've got a lot of questions. I know we've only got about 15 to 20 minutes left of your time. Uh, I really want to highlight Ryan Anders, who is so um, so giving, uh, gave to our Armchair Media Fund, uh, donated an entire scholarship. Uh, so somebody will be the lucky recipient of that. So definitely want to highlight his question. Should the Pelicans hire someone with previous head coaching experience or an upcoming assistant? Um, what do you think Griffin's preferences if either and we've got another question where is it? okay desmond dickerson has a good one uh he cites zach Lowe, uh saying the pelicans need a wartime general so chris what do you think what type of coach do you think the pelicans should be targeting well i think it kind of goes in line with what grip says that he's looking for he he said earlier and i know that we ended up tweeting it is that he's looking for a coach that can generate buy-in so Basically, from the minute that that coach steps steps on the the ground in New Orleans, you want someone that these players and you have a bunch of young guys in your locker room, they are going to respect and they are going to recognize right away. Um, so, I, you know, when I hear when I hear general, I hear I hear some type of stern individual. And I, I don't think you necessarily need to go the complete opposite of, of the Balvin. If you can find a balance, that would that would work. Um, I, I mean, listen, my pick from the beginning has been Jerry Stackhouse, you know, just, just somebody, you know, when you, when you build, when you put Jerry Stackhouse's resume on the, on the floor, whether it's a, whether it's as a player or during his coaching tenure, he's pretty much knocked everything off the box. There's nothing that when he walks in, he can't help someone with, or he can't be a, in a sense relatable to uh, he's from the same the same city as Brandon Ingram. He's from a sister state of Zion Williamson. He knows what it's like to be a a high draft pick. And while Jerry Stackhouse was a good player, he was someone who was compared to Michael Jordan when he was in college. It didn't necessarily go that way. Well, you got you got Lonzo Ball, who's still in some in some cases trying to live up to what he was drafted. Uh, and that's before you even get to the work that he did as a coach, winning winning a D League championship and being coach of the year. Similar things to Nick to what Nick Nurse did, and on the team Stackhouse coach, he had both Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet, who both turned into fine NBA pros. Um, so a guy like that, who's you know who's old enough to be an OG, but young enough to be you know relatable, recognized, and respected. I think with the with the group of young guys you have, but a team that's even if they're not looking, if they're not expecting a championship right away, they're expected to win in the next one, two, three years. You you know, you're expecting some playoff bursts. You're expecting some type of progress. I think a guy like that, in my in my opinion, would be the perfect selection. I think that would be a great one too, and would bring certain legitimacy. And obviously, he would want to bring his his own people. But being that he's a first time head coach, I think uh, the coaching uh, or the front office might be able to get away with keeping some veteran guys like Chris Finch and Fred Vincent. Um, and forgive me, is it Joe Boylan? Uh, just some of the mainstays who are already part of the Pelican staff to keep some of those guys to to kind of uh, be the voice in Stackhouse's ear that he might need as a first-time head coach. Ali, obviously, there's there's a lot of other candidates uh, we're going to need to consider. Uh, Woj just introduced a few. Uh, we've got some questions about guys like uh, Jason Kidd. This is from John Dewey. Um, and also, this one's also from Ryan Anders. Just talking about Griff's previous statement that he wants good people in the building. How much do you think the Pelicans front office takes into account, like, what kind of person you are? I think 
we learned on day one when Griff got hired and soon thereafter, we learned just how important it is to have quality human beings in the organization. I mean, that, that's what he's talked or mentioned when he's described almost anybody that he's hired or when he was at the draft. Remember when he was talking about how he sat down, he and Alvin sat down with both Zion and, of course, uh, John Morant. And the first thing he talked about was just how, you know, he was in love with the people that they were. And that's something that we didn't know at the time very well. But we've learned, right, in, in terms of just how good, despite their young age, really how well built and, and composed and and they just possess such good high character. And so I think that's everything to them. So, so of course, that's going to have to basically exist in, of course, whoever they hire as, as the head coach, right? So if you can't check off a bunch of those uh, checklists on, on having that morality, that the sensibility, accountability, just basically everything that you, you can, you probably can read off in a Bible or whatever, but you're not going to get hired by David Griffin. I think it, it just comes down easily to that. So anybody with kind of a checkered past, you know, whether it's true or not, it's got to raise eyebrows. So people like Jason Kidd, for instance, or others, it's just so hard for me to see. Yeah, and definitely we're not privy to that information. All that we see is stuff that we read on Twitter. So th these guys, you know, they have connections that we could only possibly dream of. And they're definitely going to investigate. Obviously, uh, Adrian Griffin was in the news. He's another uh, highly touted candidate. And you can just expect that David Griffin's going to do his due diligence, Trajan Langdon. Uh, Chris, I, I definitely want to get you a couple more questions before we got to let you go. Um, I'll circle back to head coaching candidates with Ali in a moment. But uh, we had some fun today. David Griffin mentioned that Brandon Ingram was a six foot nine shooter guard uh kl brown our friend uh at sweatbox program has a uh has a question about it and also um crescent city connect so let me read kl brown's question in the press conference he mentioned him as a 6'9 shooting guard if the pelicans move on from drew and lonzo stays how do you view a team consisting of zoe at the one bi at the two and then possibly finding another perimeter player to match with them. Kevin talks about all the time in this podcast just how hard it is to find that type of wing. What do you think about the Pelicans making a potential move like that? Well, I I think it is it's it's a it's something I I hadn't thought about yet when it when it comes to Brandon Ingram, but it does make sense. I mean, when he started out his career in LA, he moved all the, all around between that between the point guard, the shooting guard, and a small four position. I mean, you're talking about a guy who can who can handle the ball, he can bring the ball up, he can facilitate, he can play make. Um, but his ultimate his his ultimate goal and whether in any type of situation, no matter what position, it's to it's to score. Now, I think that putting him in a situation where hopefully whoever you have at that small four position is a little bit is a little bit bigger, a little bit bulkier, that can take some of the assignments that uh, not only gave Ingram problems but tired him out in some in certain games um I think it's definitely it's definitely needed but if you're able to put a legitimate small forward I mean this type of situation can make New Orleans even we're talking about longer taller I mean Lonzo is already six five six six with a long wingspan we know Brandon Ingram we finally confirmed Preston that he's six nine we confirmed that he's six nine he's no longer <laughs> six seven basketball reference but I mean, you're talking about, you know, uh, you're going to be looking at one of the tallest and, 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 and longest, longest teams. Now, of course, you lose some of that with, with having Zion at power forward at 6'6", at, at six, six, but he also is, is privy to a, to a large wingspan. I guess it really depends on who you feel in at that small four position. But, I mean, we, there's, 
there's no it's no secret that there's a hole there from a from a defensive standpoint in which they need to add. If you can add the right guy, I like what what it can do for them long term and what they need, especially once they figure out what they're doing with the center position. So, I mean, Brandon's going to be able to adjust any way he moves offensively, but I think moving him up a little bit and if you can add the right the right spot next to him in that small four position is only going to help him defensively. Now, Ali, why do you think Griffin chose this press conference to make that comment? I'm sorry, which comment was that? I was telling my idiotic dogs as I just texted hey, you guys. Hey, no need for what, that. What, They're good. <laughs> what comment was that, guys? Sorry. Uh, just mentioning that Brandon Nine is a cool six foot nine and a half. Of course, he mentioned Nikhail Alexander Walker's uh, growth spurt. Griffin is just really excited about these guys, really filling out as they get yes. older. Why do you think he thought it important to bring that up today? Yeah, that was an interesting tidbit because he was basically talking at, during that point, just referencing the uh, player development that happened with the staff, which was excellent, which has gotten basically a lot of praise all year. Of course, a lot of it has centered around Alonzo Ball and his ability now to be able to shoot the long ball. But, you know, a lot of people should realize that Brandon Ingram also made a lot of strides. So it was a little interesting to mention exactly his height, but I think he was just being descriptive. Because he also mentioned, of course, how old he is. So he's basically, I think, just kind of still, to me, the way I read it is he's still basically brimming with potential. And so Griff is excited. And it's, it, but the interest, most interesting part to me was the whole two guard bit. Um, you know, BI has played a lot of between the three and the four this year, right? Barely, if any, that I can remember at the two. So either he misspoke or maybe he's kind of showing you know, what he's possibly thinking in terms of roster construction if B.I. doesn't develop. Because, you know, Brandon Ingram, we, we can see him. He's a slide-of-frame guy who can't really beat up or be physical with any any bigs in a paint. So that includes a lot of fours that you start up against in uh, this league even today. So B.I. has his problems because he's undersized. He doesn't rebound as well as he should, defend the rim as he should, um, you know, all those types of things. So he kind of does play more like a perimeter player in essence still today. So I think that's all he was kind of inferring. But, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It doesn't mean like B.I. is going to all of a sudden be a two and stay a two people because that's what the vibe I got from some comments. Uh, But the height thing, I think that was just more descriptive in terms of, like I said, he's still ooing and aahing over B.I.'s potential. Now, Chris, obviously the Pelicans have uh, a two right now in Drew Holiday, who's just got a year left on his deal. Um, I don't know. It just it just appeared very strange to me, almost as if uh, Griffin was was setting us up for for something that might be transpiring in the future. I just found it all very strange. Uh, we haven't heard your question. I'm just curious. Do you think he's like he plays games like to that extent with us? Honestly. I have no idea. I, I just felt I like. <laughs> I just felt like no, that I'm just really- curious because let's say if we're right, right when we look back on this. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. Go ahead. No, it just felt like an offhand uh, comment that really wasn't relevant to what's really transpiring today. And even if you were going to say, you know, the guys have done such a great job of developing our young players, why would you then reference a guy being played out of his position, mention his height, mention his wingspan? It just felt like uh, that that type of conversation uh, wasn't relevant to what's been happening today and, and to what fans are really interested in today, which is... Are you who- saying my comments suck then? My, or excuse me, my explanation? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, 
Ah, uh, I'm glad you said you it. I didn't have to. You did not seem satisfied, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let's let's ask uh, Chris because we haven't uh, we haven't gotten you on the pod to talk about this in at least a few weeks. Uh, just Drew Holiday's future. He's got a year left on his deal, so there's an important conversation that needs to have happen, even if it doesn't need to happen right now. I'd assume, based on Griffin's comments, that he's not going to make any of those decisions until he has a new head coach under the roof. But what would you do in this situation? Do you pay him? Do you play him into the season and just see what transpires? Or if he doesn't sign, do you think the Pelicans have to make a move? Well, I, I mean, I've been on the on the train for a while now that I I keep Drew, but it depends on – I'm not keeping him at close to max money. I'm not keeping him at $25, 30000000 million a year money. You know, uh, he would have to take – quite a pay cut that I don't know right now he would be willing to take or he or even at this point in his career with the way that he's still playing and producing he would feel that he's worth so you know you have other 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 opportunities as well that can put him in spots that would give him and give him a chance with everything that he's done for this team this city and you know this 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 organization you could put him in a spot like for example Brooklyn where he will have a, a real chance at a championship and around a team that is ready to compete for one this second. Um, you know, I I think that it depends on who, who comes knocking at your door in the offseason, but unless you're talking a major discount, once again, I don't think you are going to get in him. If it's not in the offseason, I think you have to, I think you should look to make some type of move as you have to make other financial decisions down, down the line after you give Brandon Ingram the max you know, towards the, you know, the all-star breakup before the trade deadline and moving him. But, you know, unless we're talking, and I know in past podcasts, you know, Ali brought up the Andre, an Andre Iguodala type, type pay cut, Andre Iguodala type deal. If Drew's that type of guy, he wants to do that, I'm on board. But I, I just don't know if that's the case. So, I mean, I'd be looking very soon at seeing what you can get back for him and moving along the process. Oh, God. Those are the screams I used to make when I'd cut myself shaving, you know where. But that was before Manscaped. Thanks, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Look, who here doesn't get nervous about grooming their man parts? And that's why Manscaped created the Lawnmower 3.0, beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your family jewels. So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 has changed their lives. They even included pics so I could see the smoothness for myself. And they aren't kidding. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. As sports keeps coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball's back, and BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team in a new segment called The Ice is Right. Visit betonline.he today to check out all the odds and up to date sports news. And don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. You know what, Chris? You gave us seven strong innings, but I think that arm's getting kind of tired, and your girlfriend's going to need you to take her out tonight. So why don't you get out of here? Uh, thank you for your time, sir. We really appreciate it. And your takes, as always. Uh, now, Chris is off to date night. Out of the depths of the bullpen, is that David Fisher's music we hear? What's going on, man? Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Tonight. 
really well. I'll, I'm doing I'll... great, Fish. How are you, man? So good to talk to you. It's been a long time, dude, on a podcast. Well, you know, my kids don't like it. <laughs> Sleeping. <laughs> my my daughter was complaining. She's like, sleep is boring. It's fair. That's fair. Uh, I have a five-month-old who uh, is refusing to sleep in her crib. So after she wakes up inevitably around like 1 a.m., the wife just kicks me and tells me that it's my time to move to the couch because the baby will only sleep in my spot on the bed, which works out great for me. So I certainly understand the the struggle. What about you, Ollie? How are those dogs doing now? Got one out of the room. The other one's staring at me, the Basset. He's the stubborn one, so I'm a little worried. <laughs> All right, Fish. Well, I'm glad that we have you. And I know you've done some great work on Twitter today talking about uh, Mr. David Vanterpool of the Minnesota Timberwolves, formerly of the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, do you want to add your two cents on that? Do you want to talk about Gentry? Just just go ahead. The floor is yours. Um, well, it was, it was Gentry's time to go, it kind of felt like. Um, I almost part of me wonders if if he stayed this year just because Griffin didn't want to have too much change with changing over the lineup and maybe we'll look back and think why didn't we make them why didn't the Pelicans make the move sooner because it never felt like even when they said hey we're bringing Gentry on he's still going to be the head coach and we're going to extend him for another year it never felt too the fan base that he was the long-term answer at coach. So now, you know, all the guys, all the former Lakers and Zion, you know, they're going to have their third different head coach in three years. That's not necessarily the best situation to have, but maybe we'll have more, there'll be more stability going forward in terms of, I'm still not set on a specific, like that's the guy for my preferred head coach candidate, but I do think that I would prefer it if the Pelicans leaned defense first, which would um, put Vanderpool and Ham towards the top of the list. Um, and then also to, to a certain degree, also Sam Cassell. And, and that's kind of maybe just something that evolves out of coming from the Doc Rivers school of coaching that Sam Cassell would, but those three assistant head coaches would be very high on my list. And then also Adkinson, but especially um, Vanterpool, Ham and Cassell, those would be three that I hope that we haven't heard the Pelicans very connected to yet that I hope we're at least going to hear the Pelicans are, you know, lining up interviews or requesting permission from the franchise to talk to this guy in the coming weeks. Now, Ollie, now that we have fish, we can start talking about uh, uh, a couple of candidates. Obviously, we'll we'll have plenty of time to do this, so no need to break down every single one. But I do want to start with Will Weaver because I'm going to ask you about Kenny Atkinson in a moment. If the Pelicans do consider Kenny Atkinson, Will Weaver's a name that could come up. He has experience under Brett Brown in Philadelphia and Brooklyn under Kenny Atkinson. Then he coached the Long Island Nets and earned the G League Coach of the Year. I want to say that was 2018. Um, led them to the league final. They lost to the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, which is where Sindarius Thornwell played and some of our friends. Uh, and finally, last year, he coached Didi Luzada in the Australian League. He led them to the grand final series, uh, though they had to withdraw due to COVID. He has FIBA experience. He has Olympic coaching experience for Australia. Uh, if the Pelicans do target somebody of Kenny Atkinson's ilk, uh, how important is it when you target a head coach to have a, a, a worthy assistant to come with them? I think it means everything, right? Because, 
you're able to get um, basically jump off the ground and get going with with the new direction and the new you know the new personnel you bring in. So I feel like if, if you bring in somebody you trust, and of course David Griffin and Trajan Langdon trusting Kenny Atkinson and and whoever he wants to add, like Will Weaver, or like I had treated, uh, tweeted out another name to keep an eye on, and that's um, Brett, I'm trying to find his last name, Brill Meyer. He, he's, he's another guy that has, has, he's an assistant coach. He's got experience of being with Trajan Langdon with the Spurs when he was a video guy, uh, with David Griffin when he was brought on as an assistant coach for three years while he was in Cleveland. And then after, you know, Griff departed Cleveland, a lot of his guys that he had brought on left he then went to join Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn so there is an interesting I feel like connect the dots game when you think about Atkinson and all these guys have been thought of prominently highly praised not just Atkinson but as you mentioned Will Weaver and and like like I said this guy Brett Brillmeyer so I, I think that's important because as we know it's not just a head coach and then you're done you need to have personnel that you trust to install your system, your strategies. And if you've already got somebody that is well aware of them, has great knowledge and can teach them, I think that bodes so much better for the players, right? So I think it's important to be able to, like I said, get a system implemented quickly because we don't know the time frame that, you know, the next NBA season is facing, how much time the Pels will have to basically teach their young guys who are obviously going to be in school and in session for quite a while, as we've seen, right? 322 or younger guys in the starting lineup, and the Pels never seem to get over the hump, you know, with the turnovers, the mistakes, kind of just thinking the game. And defensively, you know, they were out of whack for most of the year, even though I know they had that nice run of numbers. But a lot of that, I feel like, can be attributed to having Drew Holiday and Derek Favors. So all the young guys were relying on that, as well as some kind of interesting poor three-point shooting by opponents during that stretch. So I don't know. There was really no growth to me in from Ingram and Lonzo defensively this season. And so that's a problem. So you need to address all these issues. And so I feel like, yeah, if you've got guys that can teach it and, and know what the head guy wants in it, that makes it all easier. So, yeah, that's why I'm really – that's one of the reasons why I'm high on Kenny Atkinson because I, I feel like there's already, you know, that commonality with Trajan Langdon and, and the rest of the guys that could be brought in. All right, uh, Fish, I'm going to circle back to something I asked uh, Ali and Chris a little bit earlier, and that's just about Griffin mentioning that this process is going to be a slow one and that he's going to ask patience of us uh, for a multitude of reasons uh, that I already mentioned earlier. But here's what I want to ask you. Because he's so willing to be patient, knowing full well that the Bulls are targeting guys like Ham Vanderpool and Kenny Atkinson right now, do you think that may indicate that Griffin is really targeting somebody who's still coaching within the bubble. It's definitely possible. And there's, there's a number of uh, assistant coaches that, that are all on my list that are still coaching. Um, Ty Lue um, is, is, is an assistant with the Clippers as is Sam Cassell. Um, Darvin Ham is an assistant with the Milwaukee Bucks. And those teams are expected to, to advance far in the playoffs where they their coaches might not be available for interviews until mid to late September unless the NBA allows David Griffin to go back into the bubble and interview guys on the Disney campus. Um, and with the schedule the way it is um, in the bubble, 
there might be a, a possibility of that. It, it's nice in the fact that everyone's going to be centrally located, and it's not nice in the fact that there's always, you know, game, day off, game, day off, unless, you know, the Clippers sweep their first round opponent or something like that. And then they have a long time where maybe David Griffin can get in there and talk to Sam Cassell and Ty Lu. Um, and I don't know, like, how much of an interview do you think David Griffin really needs to have with a guy who was a head coach for him for three years? That I'd be, how, how long do you really need to sit down and talk with him um, about that? Maybe about what he sees on your roster. Um, but I, I think what I got from what he said regarding he's going to be patient is that don't expect an announcement on a head coach in the next two weeks, but I fully expect that the Pelicans will have a head coach installed maybe by the end of September, early October before, because I think you would want to have your head coach selected before you get to the draft and to yes. <laughs> and to free agency. Um, not necessarily that the Pelicans will have a lot of salary cap space, but you'd you'd like to work together on the decisions that you're going to make um, both in the draft and, and free agency. But what I heard sounded wonderful in terms of there's going to be a process and they're going to take time, but that doesn't mean that they haven't already narrowed down their search, but not really leaked that information to the public. And all of this is kind of a sham search. And that isn't, that isn't to say that they're necessarily being nefarious about it. I'm just saying it's easy to say we're going to do the right things than to actually have, go through the process of doing the right things. Um, so that's that, I guess that would be my biggest concern is they're just going to narrow in on the guys that they've worked with before. And the guys that worked with before are coaches that I like in Lou and Atkinson. Um, and Atkinson has been one of my favorites for a long time. But if you only look at the guys that you've recently looked, worked with before and not, to a Vanterpool, which Langdon has a long history with in Moscow, actually, or somebody that they don't have very much connection with at all, for instance, Darvin Ham, um, if they're not going to, you know, at least interview and go properly through the process, that would be that would be something that I'm hoping that is going to happen. But what I've heard so far doesn't necessarily mean that it is going to happen. Now, uh, Ali, uh, before I get to your question, we should mention that uh, Adrian Wojnarowski has a report on ESPN.com that Tyron Liu, uh, wherever he went, would want to bring Chauncey Billups with him in an associate position. And then Billups would just be there uh, grooming for his own head coaching position, possibly as soon as one year later. Uh, now that we've got that out of the way, I know that you've been covering the Pelicans, I want to say, since the time when Monty Williams was hired, which I think was either 2010, uh, somewhere around there, Um uh, or 2011, just in terms of who is available, uh, just for me, who hasn't been covering the league as long as you have, I think there's such a plethora of fantastic candidates right now the Pelicans have to choose from. I'm almost like there's there's very few that I wouldn't be uh, head over heels excited for. Do you feel like the NBA's coaching tree is a lot stronger than it was maybe a decade ago? I think there's no doubt. Um, I'm just not certain if that's because – we in the media or just as fans in general are just privy to so much more information. 
because I'm curious to get Fish's thoughts on this, because we both kind of came to the bird rights at the same time. This may be a little bit around 10 years ago, right? We found the site and we this in the comments section, but whenever there was just, you know, any articles written on people, they were very just, you know, cursory glances. It wasn't really kind of in-depth and you certainly weren't getting these, like these fabulous quotes and insights to where either they were sitting down giving you interviews or you were learning about, you know, whichever candidate through a player. It just didn't seem to exist back then. So like I said, it was difficult to pinpoint because I, I remember before, you know, Monty was even hired, how strong the, you know, affinity there was for Tibbs and a few others. And it was just all over the place. But you didn't really have like the out of, you know, from out of nowhere types, especially assistant coaches um, that were maybe not as well known, especially if you weren't like from, you know, one of the famous trees of Popovich or somewhere else. But yeah, I just feel like nowadays there is, a lot more information, but also, you know, to give credit where credit's due, I think it's because the candidate pool has definitely improved. You know, there is such competition now, um, not just here in the NBA, but I think across the world. So there's so many different ways you can gain experience. And, you know, the cream always rises a crop wherever you are. So suddenly you do have such a bigger, you know, pool to grab, you know, potential candidates from. So, yeah, I think I think there's definitely some truth to that, Preston. No, Fish, uh, and we'll have a lot more podcasts where we dive into specific candidates, as I mentioned earlier. But just in terms of what's available, uh, I think there's probably 10 that we've talked about in our DM chat right now that I think we'd all be pretty comfortable with being the next head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Do you feel like there's a lot of candidates right now who could come in tomorrow and and do the job we need? Yeah, I do. Uh, A lot of that's just the fact that with – the expansion of the G League and the fact that the NBA is far more willing to reach overseas for coaching talent, um, that they are just they they have a much broader pool to reach from, and we know so much more. We don't know a lot, but we know so much more about assistant coaches and stuff than we did ten years ago. Because 10 years ago, the extent of what you would hear about an assistant coach were maybe a couple of passing statements in an article from a national broadcast, uh, a national media personality or something like that. And now it's like, well, what does talk to me about David Vanterpool, for instance, and you can find multiple long articles about him. You can find long um videos of him talking about you know what he's looking looking for and coaching and just you know his his career that he had while he was an assistant in Portland and all the wonderful things that you can read that both um Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in terms of his impact directly on their careers and becoming a professional so and one of the most fascinating articles that I read today actually didn't necessarily directly mention Darvin Ham, but um, an article they had on the Athletic with um, with Brooke Lopez regarding his approach to defense and stuff like that, and knowing that Darvin Ham's probably had a lot to do with that, um, and and his his execution of running, you know quarterbacking that defense um so it's just there's it's bad in the fact that there's a lot of bad information out there 
um, and just, you know, a couple sound bites here and there. But at the same time, we know a lot more than we did about these assistant coaches, which isn't to say that we know a lot, just that we know a lot more um, than we did before. So, but uh, the league is in a great place and I feel like the Pelicans have a lot of good options and a couple terrifying options that hopefully are just uh, a matter of an agent getting their, their client mentioned for a job that they have no chance for. Yeah. Uh, I think we all know who Fish is probably referring to. Uh, Ali, we've got two questions left. Uh, one is from Chetta Chaz. Uh, I, I like that name. Um, oh, I miss Waka Waka Wakanda hasn't asked us a question in a while. Uh, must be busy. But Ali, uh, just in terms of what Fish was talking about earlier, I think uh, the NBA draft is on October 16th and NBA free agency is October 18th. The, the Pelicans obviously have a lot of decisions to make. Of course, we mentioned Drew Holiday, Derek Favors is another obvious one. And of course, there, there are a few more. But how important does a conversation with a head coach uh, become about the future of those types of players and how can that head coach dictate that future with the franchise? I think it's everything because as Griff kind of said today, your head coach uh, search and decision, is probably going to be your biggest, most important vital cog when, when you're starting kind of um, from, from scratch to where, you know, you're basically going to be, adding a new guy that's going to run your team. He's going to be dictating the strategy, the offense, the substitutions, rotations, developing your players in essence. So there, there's a lot of things that go into it. So I think that's very important because he's another guy that you go to, first of all, for, you know, just, just talking about strategy and trying to determine the strengths and weaknesses of the roster. So I think it's vital that you bring this guy in well before either free agency or the draft, or at least sometime where it gives enough um, time for both Griffin and the new hire to go over certain things. And you're basically, it's like a brand new data bank of information as well. So for Griffin, he'll be learning some things that he probably doesn't know about, you know, and it'll help him make decisions in both of those important upcoming um, segments in October. So I just feel like, yeah, that's why I want to see somebody hired, you know, kind of my, my thing is by the end of September, I hope there's somebody in place, right? Then I'll start getting worried. I would prefer it, honestly, if a month from now we're talking about the new hire. One month should be plenty, I feel like, unless you're really like, say you have your eyes set on Ty Lue and you can't figure out a time to sit down with him properly, maybe another guy or two. But if you're really thinking of another direction, then I think I hope it gets made before then. Because Preston, I, I think it's everything, you know, it, you can basically draft whoever you want. You can, you can trade forever you want, but if a coach isn't going to utilize them in a certain way or method, then, then it's all for naught. So you want to have all that established beforehand. You want to get a good feel for the direction the head coach wants to go in. And like I said, that's how you identify on what you're going to need for those, both the draft and free agency. All right, Fish, I'm going to ask you a similar question, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, the salary cap for 2020-2021 was originally supposed to be slated at $115 million. Now, after everything's happened, I, I would assume it would be at 109 which was 2019, or possibly even lower than that. Now, the Pelicans right now are currently slated, uh, if they release Darius Miller, at around $75 million. You bring back Brandon Griffin, you have to think you're already at about 100 So you're out of cap space pretty much uh, already right there. 
So they do have an important decision they have to make with Drew Holiday. They also have an important decision they have to make with Derek Favors, in addition to some of the other guys in the roster um, who may or may not be returning. Uh, how important is it to you, not only for Drew Holiday, but what kind of decision would you make as to the future of Derek Favors? I really had hoped that uh, Derek Favors' play from December to March was a situation where he had a nagging back injury um, and that some time away um, he would start to look like the guy we remember seeing in the Utah Jazz uniform. And what we saw in the bubble tells me that whatever is wrong is either still not better um, or is something that is just going to be a problem for the rest of his career. So at this point, um, I, I would be leaning towards not retaining Derek Favors. And then, uh, honestly, my ideal situation really hasn't changed a whole lot from last season with Drew Holiday, which is realistically, unless you're going to extend him this summer, which I don't feel like would be the correct option. Um, the time to trade him is between now and the trade deadline or else he's effectively able to become free agent. So I would trade him this summer. And then what I would be trying to trade him for would likely return someone that can be your starting center. Um, my, my preferred targets are, are still the same, either Brooklyn with Jared Allen or Indiana with, um, his name is I can see his face. Miles but I, Turner. Miles Turner. Um, I was going to call him Hunter Turner for a second there. <laughs> I didn't think of his name. So um, those two would be my my top targets. Uh, but that would, you know, if I was the GM, that would be the thing that I would be looking to do. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's even on the table. That might, you know, David Griffin might go to Brooklyn and to Indiana with that offer and just be rejected. And then he's going to have to circle back and, you know, fall back on plan C or D or whatever other options are out there. That that would be my approach with those two guys um, to bounce back to what you were asking, um, what you were asking Ollie there a little bit about the coach and how they fit with the players the biggest thing to me would be is how the coach is going to fit with Zion and Brandon Ingram. That's really it. Um, that isn't to say that Lonzo isn't a long-term piece or that, you know, Naw isn't a long-term piece or Jackson Hayes is on his way out, um, you know, or any of the other guys that they have long-term, but all of those are kind of malleable. The biggest thing is how is your coach going to utilize Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and what is their focus going to be. And for me, having seen, you know, them for a year, I I would hope that you would get a coach or an interview candidate that comes in and says, look, those guys are already incredibly efficient at scores. I'm going to try to continue to get them in positions where they can score. But the thing, the problem is, is that one, neither one of them are, even average defenders for their position at this point. And if your two franchise tent poles are massive positives on the offensive end and negatives on the defensive end, what we need to do is build the team and the culture and the franchise around shoring up the defense because defense is something that you can do 
you should be able to do even if your shot's not falling whereas offense is still going to be variable especially in the nba today where you're going to you know shoot a lot of three-pointers regardless of the system you know that you run um so let's let's try to defend well let's try to run teams off the three-point line funnel them to a big man and force them into the least efficient shots that we can um and we will defend and that's what i want to hear from the whoever they end up hiring and that's why the assistant coaches that i have you know at the top of my list are at the top of my list because i feel like they're going to lean towards being defense first all right, Ali, I'll get you out on this one. We're approaching one hour. The Pelicans have won one playoff series in the past 12 years. I know we've got a, a young core, and I, I know that the majority of the roster is under 23 years of age. Uh, but just in terms of Pelicans fans who have been tired of losing under Alvin Gentry, tired of losing under Monty Williams, do you think there's going to be any pressure on this incoming coach, whoever it is in whatever uh, manner or style they coach, to not necessarily contend, but just to be better next year than they were this year. Yes, there's no doubt. If you have one of the biggest generational talents we've seen in years um, on your roster, and all you got to do is look no further than how many times ESPN wants to put the Pelicans on national TV despite them not being deserving one bit, right, not having earned it, um, that says it all to me. So the spotlight is on the Pelicans and Zion. So therefore it is on the coach too. So the performance, bad performances are not going to be as easily written off. Um, you're going to be graded harsher. And now whether that's fair or not, it doesn't matter. It comes with a job. So I, I just feel like, yes, the, the, the new coach, whoever comes in, I think is going to have to basically immediately out of the gate show that he can get this team on the, on the right track in terms of both executing offensively and defensively to where they look better in certain instances than they have say this year to whether it leads to more wins or not you know is debatable but i think it does you know i think they sh they're gonna have to win more uh and make a greater attempt at getting the playoffs um i don't know how many would pick them to make the playoffs or how important it is i don't necessarily want to go there i don't think it is because let's face it, <laughs> these, these guys still have their window is still well ahead of them for all the, the, these young cornerstones. So I don't know, Preston. I mean, you don't want to say that on day one for teams so young that you have to win now. But there is, without a doubt, going to be more pressure to do well. You know, and, and a lot's riding it for Griffin. Right. He's talked about the need to wanting to see more su sustainable success. He talked about it last offseason. He talked about it again today. So there's going to be pressure by not only the, the media and the spotlight and all of us. He's The co new coach is going to feel it from the front office as well. All right, last question, then I'll get you both out of here. Um, Gail Benson said today, Fish, championship uh, aspirations. Uh, I remember that specifically. And Ali just mentioned that the Pelicans are going to be expected to perform better than they did last year. Do you think that gives an advantage to coaches who already have a proven track record like a Tyron Lou of winning at the highest level? Good question, by the way. <laughs> I hope not. I hope that um, I, I see. I see where you know her statement might lead us to believe that the team's going to lean towards a retread um, ahead of other of other options. I hope that their desire for immediate results doesn't push them to at least not consider other options. 
Um, but I mean, Ty Lue won. I mean, some of what Ty Lue obviously is you got to coach a team with LeBron James, but a lot of what Ty Lue did also is, I mean, he was doing extremely well um, as a, as a head coach at the very highest level. We're not talking just, I mean, it's a fantastic adjustments, um, not just in the finals, but in the Eastern conference finals, because those, those late Cavs teams were built specifically for one opponent. How do we match up with Golden State at the expense of matching up well with other opponents? And they still found a way to make, you know, walking through the Eastern Conference relatively easy. And I mean, obviously, there's a situation where the Eastern Conference was always seen as a much lesser conference. Um, but he coached circles around, you know, highly celebrated coaches like Brad Stevens. So, I mean, he can coach. Um, but I, I just want to make I, – I just hope that the franchise takes the time to not just immediately zero in on Ty Lue or Kenny Atkinson because those are the head coaches that Griffin and Langdon were most recently tied to. Um, not to say that hiring either of them would be a bad a bad choice, but just make a, a, a thorough search, um, interview your hams and Vanterpools. And I didn't even mention earlier, Jerry Stackhouse um, would be another option I would hope is, is going to be considered. Do a thorough search, um, get other opinion. If nothing else, get other opinions from these other coaches when they sit down and they talk to you about what they see when they look at your roster. Um, and where they where they think that they could improve your roster, not necessarily like changing the pieces of the roster, but these are the things that if you brought me in as a head coach that I would want to focus in with on Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and to maybe to a lesser extent Lonzo Ball. Um, and this is how I would try to build your defense with these pieces um, just to get different perspectives on that and maybe one of those highly touted assistant coaches uh, wants to come on to the Pelican staff potentially or something like that because I remember when we were when the Pelicans were searching for a new GM David Griffin or Trangia Langdon sounded like great options and then the Pelicans got them both so why can't that happen again this time around um for instance Sam Cassell right now is not the lead assistant on the Clippers bench. He's just another assistant coach because they gave the lead assistant associate head coach position to Ty Lue. So if Ty Lue doesn't move this, this summer, which it seems like he will, but maybe, you know, Sam Cassell could come in as your new, you know, lead assistant. So, or, or someone else a, a Vanderpool or something like that. So just do a thorough search, talk to everyone. Don't just zero in on the guys that you've worked with before. I do want to I mention agree with Fish Preston. I just want to jump in real quick. I agree with Fish one hundred thousand percent. But I will just want to add one more thing, and and that is that I think we should give Griff kind of the benefit of the doubt, which I'm sure Fish would as well. All you've got to do is look at when Griffin was hired, right? April, and then you look when Langdon came aboard a month later in May. Then a month later, Swin Cash, Ramon Sessions, who I know is really big, wasn't brought on till I think. Um, once training camp was pretty much over sometime in early October. 
So Griff will not rush through things. I, I really don't believe. I think he really does do a thorough search. And that's what we've always kind of heard as well. And that's how he operates. So just wanted to throw that out there just for anybody who wants to say something different, start making stuff up, or just to basically put an end to any kind of that silly controversy. No, for sure. And I tweeted today that both of uh, Griffin's hires in Cleveland were first-time NBA head coaches, that being David Blatt. Uh, Alvin Gentry was also um, a front-runner for that position, but he opted for an international coach in David Blatt. And then when David Blatt stepped down or whatever transpired there, uh, he went to Tyron Liu, who had only been an assistant for one year and was made uh, – he was also considered for that Cleveland job that obviously went to David Blatt. But he had only been an assistant for one year prior to becoming the interim and then full-time head coach. So it's it's not out of the spectrum of history that that Griffin would make a move like that. I, I was just conjecturing, which no, is what great, I love to Great do. point, Preston. Thank you for saying that. Great point. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, you guys can follow Fish. Is it at Fish TBW? Actually, I'm going to look it up right now. It's at Fish underscore TBW. Uh, thank you to, to Chris Connor. You can follow him at Impatient Bull, Ali Cosell at Ali Cosell. Uh, Fish, anything you want to tell our listeners before we get out of here? Um, no, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a really exciting time for the Pelicans. I, I feel like whenever you, you feel like you're the team and the coaching staff and everything, there's going to be a lot of changeover. There's a lot of free agents, um, for the Pelicans this year. Um, they might change over up to half of their roster and you're going to have a new head coach. And I still feel like, this season was a success if for no other reason than that Brandon Ingram took the leap on offense um, to be a, a legitimate, you know, all-star scoring 20 points a game shot uh, just, just a hair under 39% beyond the arc at a very high volume. And that continued even when he was um, in the bubble. So the, the biggest thing I'd be, we would like to see a lot more Zion Williamson, um, but uh, I, I still feel like this season was a success. If Alvin Gentry wasn't let go after this season, it was highly unlikely he would be extended beyond this coming season. So the the coaching change was expected. Maybe it's happening slightly fast sooner than anticipated. Um, but it's a very it's a very exciting time for the Pelicans. I feel like there's there's still a lot of room for this franchise to grow. It's still very young. They still have a lot of assets, draft assets, of the possibility of moving Drew Holiday. Um, if they wanted to, they could possibly try to move J.J. Redick, um, depending on how they want to build the team. Um, and transactions are one of the things that it, it really excites fans that follow the team and then hopefully we're going to have you know outside of tomorrow we're going to have basketball every day for another month and a half or so and um then before you know it uh, right after that the draft free agency and a month and a half off and then we're going to be talking about training camp so it's going to be great i can't i can't wait all right alec sell you're next sir we are going to be doing some roundtables soon, so we'll get Ooh. all of our inputs on who we want to see as a head coach and some other things. Plus, we'll go into a lot greater depth, both on podcasts and, of course, in written articles on all head coaches. So I'm looking forward to that. Sounds good. And this is when we need you guys' interaction. We need you to you know, hit us up in our threads and let us know how we're doing. Let us know what coaches you would like us to consider and become a part of the conversation. And thank you so much for those of you listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, Ali Cosell, Fish for uh, Christopher Connor. I'm Preston Ellis for now. Let's dance. And let's go Pels.
Thank you for listening to the Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Black lives matter, and we're continuing to do our part here at the Bird Calls. That's why we've created the Armchair All-American Scholarship. Thanks to contributions from Armchair, myself, Music is My Refuge, R. Anders 36, Andrew Juge, Ralph Malbro, and many more, Armchair Media will be issuing four $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. The criteria is African-American, under 21, and in a creative field. To apply, send something you've created, whether photography, art, music, anything, to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. We can't wait to see your application.